Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome and thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Indeed it is. The two guys in a mic show. TalkZone.com. The big dog and the coach with you. Right up until 11 o'clock. It's a football Friday here. One of our favorite days of all. On the two guys in a mic show, we'll make our beat the schmoes. Football predictions. We'll preview some of the college games, NFL games. Talk a little baseball in. Riders up. Riders up. We will uh, investigate and preview and prognosticate the Ryder Cup, too. It's all about Medina. About 30 minutes here for these beautiful studios. A little bit of music, and then we'll get this particular show off and running, or at least into a slow job. Thank you very much, David Olson, producer extraordinaire. And by the way, a proud member of the Schmoes. I don't think he was originally. I think David found it as somewhat of a personal affront. But I'm proud to say that after two years of working together, David, now, I think, at least quietly, to his friends, he hasn't said it publicly, is proud to be a Schmo. <laughs> or not. 888-463-6748. Our phone lines are open. You want to talk some NFL football, we can do that right here for you. You want to make your beat the schmoes football picks. That's any three picks, folks. You can go high school, college, or pro, mix or match. Yes, we're the only show that I know of that will put a point spread on high school games. But uh, college, pro, you pick any three games. The game is called Beat the Schmoes. Tie goes to the runner. Tie goes to the dealer. Tie goes to the schmoes here in the studio. you got to beat us last week, by the way. An embarrassing week by all three of us. The Schmoes collectively three and six. The only positive I can say, David, is we were all together. It was a team effort. We all went one and two. So uh, we'll see if we can bounce back. But uh, we did have one emailer, Swamp Rat, who went three and zero oh, undefeated. So he uh, was the first person in three weeks, uh, actually four weeks, because we started uh, the college football week before the NFL season. The first person to beat. The Schmoes, congratulations to him. We'll come back bigger and stronger than ever. Hopefully we get the big dog on the phone lines today. I know we had a little uh, technocratic, technological, situational difficulties with the cell phone yesterday. Hopefully we get the dog in today. But uh, lots of talk about college football. I wouldn't say it's a great weekend of college football. The best part of it is conference play starts. But as far as national matchups of major implications, it's you know not the greatest weekend. But still some good games, so we'll talk about that for sure. And, uh, and David, I know you went to White Sox game earlier, uh, actually just about like a month ago, right? With your son? Uh, I was trying to think. It was uh, mid-July, maybe? Or no, it was early August. It was right. early August, so. Uh, before we get lost in all the uh, football flavor, I did make it to my first, embarrassed to say, my first White Sox game last night. Amazingly, you know, I tried to convince my wife to take the train. But she wanted to drive. So we head to Sox Park at 5.30 last night from the suburbs. Never a good thing. But, you know, the one thing about the traffic, what's more exciting to talk about than traffic, except possibly for weather, but the one thing you know about the Chicago highways heading into the city is you never know. It's unpredictable. Thursday night, 
5.30, we're driving in. I expected like an hour and a half, hour, 45 minute, two-hour drive. Boom. Practically a little bit of a backup early, but then breezed. Go figure. It's unbelievable. But it's amazing. White Sox Park, it, it can be difficult to get to battling the traffic, but when it's not trafficable, or on a weekend, like you head down there on a Sunday, it's an easy get-to. It's an easy get-to. Beautiful park, too. Beautiful park. David, did you take your kid around? Because the best part of White Sox Park, did you take your kid around and do the uh, what I call the smell tour before the game? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because you, <laughs> you, you have to plan out the, the meal. Oh, yeah. You have to plan it out. Oh, so. and I don't know if the kids probably can't appreciate the uh, multitude of different kinds of smell, the White Sox, but that's the best part of the game. I call I call it the uh, the smell tour right before the game. That was out. Did, did, did you happen to come upon the uh, gourmet nacho bars? Yes, love those things. Yes, and I try to stay away from nachos, but I did see people ordering, and I was pretty hungry. It, awfully good, awfully oh, yeah. good. They even had one of the ice cream nacho I saw, fried tortilla chips with ice cream and all the. Uh, that looked a little disgusting, but at any rate. Good to be at a base. I haven't been to a baseball game in a long time. I think the big dog that we got on the line with us now, we've talked a lot of football. We haven't given baseball. It's due. Big dog, as I welcome you to the show, my friend, uh, I got to tell you, and football's the main focus today, but being at the Sox game last night, just got to throw a little reminder out. Being at the ballpark, a major league ballpark, still a pretty cool experience, my friend. How are you? Yeah, it, it is a cool experience. And too bad White Sox fans don't don't take advantage of yes. an absolutely great park. And, you can. I'm glad you finally come with it. Whenever I rip the White Sox fans for not going, you're like, oh, it'll leave them alone. And all that. That's a beautiful park. Your team's in a yep. in a pennant chase. And how many people were there last night, Coach? Twenty five thousand? No, 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 no. Eighteen. Eighteen thousand people. When your team is chasing, that's ridiculous. That was sold tickets, big dog. Eighteen thousand nine hundred sold. I'm gonna guess the actual attendance probably closer to sixteen five. It was sporadic. Yeah, a little, little discur- There was no playoff intensity. The game was great. I mean, the Sox ended up losing, but it was really a pretty cool game. You know, not a lot of hitting, quality pitching, some good fielding plays, timely hitting, the kind of game you as a baseball purist, Big Dog, would have appreciated. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would have. It ends up, uh, ending on, uh, well, not ending, but Evan Longoria hits a home run in the, in the ninth inning in order to, to give the Tampa Bay Rays a lead. Yep. And, it, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Tampa Bay Rays played good defense and the White Sox played good defense mm-hmm. yesterday. Because pretty good defensive teams. The White Sox have allowed the least amount of unearned runs in baseball this year, and that's mm-hmm. a stat that you want to lead in, definitely. And I was looking for signs because I've heard, you know, from some of the talkies and reading a little bit, maybe the Hawks or the Hawks, <laughs> the White Sox are pressing a little bit. I was looking for signs of that in the field. Body language-wise, and most importantly, Big Dog, in their at-bats, I didn't see that. I saw a team basically playing the way they have all year long. They had This is one game I'm basing it on. But there were men on base when they didn't come through, but they hit the ball hard. But you know when you're in a slump? It's one of those deals. You hit the ball hard, and it goes right to the outfielder. But uh, I didn't see signs of pressing from the White Sox. Yeah, isn't it amazing when you're in a slump? It always seems like you hit the ball yep. right at somebody instead of, uh, you know, into the into the open hole. Yep. Yeah. By the way, that ninth inning home run you're talking about, Longoria, we had to leave at the end of seven. Just you know, had to. It was uh, we got stuff going on this morning. My kid, 
we had to get home. Uh, so we did leave after the seventh inning, but listening to the game on the radio driving home, I will try to reenact the ninth inning description of Ed Farmer, who has taken over from Hawk Harrelson for uh, unemotional moments for opposing team. Now keep in mind, ninth inning, two to two game, one week left in the season. Tampa Bay battling for their lives. They need to win it. White Sox battling for their playoff life. They need to win it to stay within a game of Detroit. So huge game. Ninth inning tie game. Yes. Here's the pitch. Longori hits it. Warning track. And that'll be over the fence. That's a Ray home run. Three to two lead. <laughs> I, I swear to you. That's I if I exaggerated the or under exaggerated a little bit, only minuscule. I mean, okay. come I on. And I'm sure Hawk would have done the same thing. You know. you know what? You're, you're exactly right, Coach. You're exactly right. So, I was like, uh, it sounded like a routine fly ball. You know, back to the war. I thought, oh boy, deep fly ball. We're out of the inning. Let's go bet. And next thing I hear, over the fence, three-two lead, Tampa Bay. I was like, oh, <laughs> hey ho. Anyhow, tough loss for the White Sox dog. They're two games back, and I hate to say it, but we've kind of been waiting for the Tigers to catch fire all season, for the Sox to come back to earth. It never happened until it looks like the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, well, I guess everybody was waiting for it. I have to admit, you know, I really thought the, with the White Sox young pitching and, and the fact that all the guys that had horrible seasons last year were having rebound seasons, that that was going to carry them. But, you know, with, now there's, what, seven games remaining, and they're two games back. I don't that's even think there's less than seven, right? It's six. So yeah, six, six games remaining. Yeah. Yeah, that for both teams, yeah, that's not – that's – Really, you've got to almost hope that you get a one-game playoff because they would have to be three games better than the Tigers without mm-hmm. the one-game playoff. And if the and the Tigers right now are in a position where they can, hey, do we have to pitch Justin Verlander in the last game of the season? Do we have to? You know, they'll have Verlander for the last game just in case. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like every single thing is stacking up bad against the White Sox. Yeah, I think you've asked 96.25% of the White Sox fans right now, they'd be very happy at this point to be playing on Thursday in a one-game playoff. So, uh, Yes, because that other would mean th- Verlander has already pitched, and like they'd be in yeah. real good shape. If the, if the White Sox can force the one-game playoff, Verlander is scheduled to go to the last game of the season only if the, the Tigers are still in it, but... Mm-hmm. That would also, I would assume that the Tigers haven't been passed by the White Sox in five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know what, even even if, I, again, I'd like to speak for 96.25% of the White Sox fans, Big Dog, the other 2.8% uh, still inebriated from yesterday morning, and the other 1.2% uh, are listed as other, both uh, spiritually, sports-wise, and sexually. So uh, we haven't got their vote in. But I think uh, even if we knew Verlander was going to pitch on Thursday at this point, We'd settle for that, you know, just uh, no, no, to... Ver- Verlander's pitching Wednesday if the Sox are still in it. They will not, he would he will not be able to be used for the one game playoff. Okay. They'll use Doug Fister for the one game playoff. Right. And that's all I gotta say is that they named him appropriately, Coach. Mm-hmm. Fister. <laughs> By the way, did you see he set an American League record yesterday? No, I did not. I, I was watching the game. I was, he had a shutout through the seventh, and he had only allowed a, a one hit. And he's been incredible the last month, coach. Detroit Tigers win the game five to four. They're having a heck of a series with KC. They're they got a five game streak going now, and they finish a uh, uh, four game sweep. But those games were tough, very competitive. But Doug Fister struck out at one point in the middle of the game, dog nine. Uh-huh. 
consecutive batters in American League record. Tom Seaver with 10, the major league record. But Fister shut down nine guys in a row. Wow, that's amazing. You know, the cool thing about Seaver was it was the last 10 Padres of that game in 1970 that he mm-hmm. struck out. And, and people were like, he was throwing the ball 100 miles an hour on the last batter. He could have struck out the next 10 if he needed to. Wow. But you know, what the crazy thing with the Doug Fister thing is, I had that game on the radio and switched it over because the, the Tigers were up 4 nothing. I'm like, oh, this game is over. And I went to another game, another afternoon game yesterday, and did not even know that that just happened. Ouch. I was listening to the game on the radio, and I was like, man, Fister's just mowing him down. I was I actually listened to a game where he struck out all three people in the inning. Mm-hmm. So that's too bad. I changed. Actually, <laughs> don't feel bad because Fister said the same thing. His quote in the paper was, when they told him where the crowd started cheering for the record, he had no – I mean, he knew, obviously, he was on a roll, but he he said anyways, he had no idea that he had knocked down nine in a row, and he had no idea what the record was. So that's, that's, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, um, what was the old American League record? Did you hear? Was it eight? And who was it by? I think it was by, uh, I have no idea, maybe Wilbur Wood, ex-White Sox knuckleballer. I doubt it was Wilbur Wood. Yeah, so. I just thought I'd take a shot at Oh, by the way, too, I was going to bring up the Chipper Jones comment on Wild Card, but I have to do this now. On the Chicago White Sox Wall of Fame, if you will, on the outfield wall, uh-huh. you've got the mostly old guys. you got Frank Thomas and Harold Baines, and then it's all the old guys. But yeah, there was, you know, so Louis Aparicio, exactly. Nelly Fox, exactly. Early Wynn. Thank you. But there was a guy, and I asked a few people around, and, and one guy thought it was an old-timer, and it's got a number and then Lions, L-Y-O-N-S. At first, I almost upchucked my uh, my uh, Blue Moon beer. By the way, I'm getting into Blue Moon beer, I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, thinking that, that stuff's delicious. Huh? I love that stuff. I, I like the lemon in it. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking like Steve Lyons? Along with Minoso and Aparicio and Nelly Fon- who is you know, Lyons? You don't, know, you don't know who Ted Lyons is, one of the great pitchers in the history of Chicago White Sox? Not necessarily. Ted Lyons. Yeah, there's... When did he David. play? He's the really good. He played 1940s, 1930s to the early 1950s. David Olson, you're a mediocre White Sox fan like myself. Had you heard of Ted Lyons? Not growing up, no. But you, you've heard the name. I have heard the name, yes. Interesting. Yeah, I just, you know, every, on the wall, I saw all these names I recognized, like Lions. And for a second, I thought maybe, you know, they did it as a joke and put Steve Lyons up there, but I was like. You, you know, White Sox. Well, he, I mean, he played he played for over 20 years for the White Sox. Wow. Yeah. From the, from yeah, the 20, you said pitcher, right? Time. Pitching. Pitcher? Pitching. That's, I, that wasn't, I wasn't, I was, you know, it's crazy about the, the White Sox history is, you know, they have, uh, they had a long period of not winning. It was like them and the St. Louis Browns finished in last place for years. And But like the early 20th century and the late 20th century, they had all types of stars. And in the middle, even though they did go to the World Series in 1959, they had like 30 or 40 years where they didn't have any great players. And th- this is no joke, Coach. I'm not here to rip the White I'm not ripping the White Sox. It was just they had a different team than like the Cubs and the Giants and the Yankees did. The all-time leader at home runs for the White Sox before, like, 1990 only had, like, 150 career home runs before Harold Baines passed it. Wow. And eventually Frank Thomas passes him. So it's, it's when you look at those old-school names on there, and I don't know, the White Sox have a much more, a much better, more recent history than they did from after the Black Sox scandal all the way to 1983. Mm-hmm. Think about it. They really, besides Louis Aparicio with Nellie Fox, 
everybody else that they had was good was only there for a couple of years, like mm-hmm. the Ted Klozuskis or the early wins. You know, it, it's uh, seriously. I mean, I've ripped White Sox history, but if you're a White Sox fan, you've had a good last 30, 40 years. You've had a lot of real good players that deserve like uh, banners up on walls and stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, Robert Ventura and uh, you know other pitchers. How about Belton, Belton, Bill Melton. Not yeah. quite, not quite yeah. to that okay. level, probably. Coach, did you really think he's a wall type no, guy? No, I, I just said probably not quite to that level. Close, but not quite there. And, and, and Bill Melton led the third baseman in the American League at home runs in 1972. Yep. Yes, David. Paul Canerco is going to be up on that Yes, wall. definitely. Amen. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. The, the, maybe, possibly, the second greatest White Sox player of all time is Paul Canerco. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean and, and would you... Would you argue that, David? You're a bigger White Sox fan than me as Paul. No, 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 no. And and the thing is, he's done he's done it so quietly. Yes, classy. You know, but yeah, he's a, yeah. I, How many I years? 12, 11, 12 years with the White Sox. I would Sox. say he, 1999 was his first year with the White Sox. Okay, I think I think Big Dog's right. right. Confirm. Yeah, that. he definitely uh, save a spot for him on the wall. Hey, uh, uh, real quick. Also, we had a semi. Uh, uh, vehement argument heading out of the stadium, which a couple of fans joined us in. My son was convinced, Big Dog, and it turns out he might be right, that uh, I, when the new park was built, I thought the name Comiskey was was done. It, you know, it was U.S. Cellular Field. So no, it was we, Comiskey Park at first. So it was. The brand new park when it was built was still Comiskey Park. Yeah, they didn't they didn't give it the name U.S. Cellular until like the year after the World Series or so. Hmm. I mean, it's. It, it well, was, no, no, no. I thought it was. It was a little bit before the World Series, wasn't it? That's when they. Oh, you're, that's you're when they adjusted right. the upper deck and painted the place gray. But originally, like, the brand new place was still known as Comiskey Park. Yeah, for yeah, for for, for, it, it, for at least six or seven years. All right, so the guy with the uh, the Lady Gaga T-shirt and the New York Mets cap was completely wrong. Is that what you're telling me, Big Dog? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with David. That place was not U.S. Cellular Field for, it, it wasn't the whole time. It was definitely right. sold while I was living, like, in Chicago. Yeah, you see, I lost so, another, lost another, I was arguing against my son. I thought for sure it was U.S. Cellular and never take sides in an argument. Reason, never take the sides of a guy drinking an Amstel Light with a Lady Gaga t-shirt. That's the moral of that story. And, and, and by the way, in 1991, when the place opened up, uh, Sailor, U.S. Cellular didn't exist as a company. <laughs> Adding even a little more salt to the wound in my lost argument. Throw that one in there. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, one real quick comment. Football Friday here, folks. A little baseball talk to open it up, but we're going to get into the football here. Our football expert, Joel Radwanski, with us. Uh, any football questions, pro, college, high school, you name it. Uh, you want to get inside the game, the big dog will do that with you. 888 48, the phone number, Big Dog, I have to, well, one last baseball comment. I agree with Chipper Jones. Chipper came out publicly and said the whole one card, two teams, uh, not one card, one game, two teams make the wild card, one game playoff is a gimmick. That's the word he said. Pro baseball, uh, Major League Baseball is using it to increase attendance and keep the interest, but a one game playoff after 162 games, is a gimmick, and he hates it. I agree with him. And he said, two out of three, I'm okay with. The one game, not good. And you know what? The more I listen to that, the more I completely agree with Chipper. You know what? Uh, Chipper Jones is right. But then again, he's also wrong about the, the two out of three. The, the reason, I agree with him. They need to go to four divisions and two wild card teams and make winning a division actually yep. cool again. 
Like, seriously, if the Cubs have a miracle year next year and they win the National League Central coach and they're, and they're 84 and 78, I'm not buying no National League Central division winning T-shirt. Are you kidding me? I use it as kindling. <laughs> okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. But if just say there was four divisions and the Cubs win the National League East division, and then there's a four team division. I'd be like, you know what? That's pretty cool. I, I'd buy that. I did. Yeah, but that's I, almost. Kind of like I agree with you, but I, you're almost getting into a different argument. Okay, well, here's the argument on this. You can't have a two out of three game playoff for people to get into the playoffs because baseball is not a faucet. You cannot just turn your talent on and turn your talent off. You have to keep playing and keep your timing up. And if all of a sudden one or two, a couple teams win their divisions and they, oh, they, they're already in the playoffs and they have to wait four days for two teams to play the best two out of three. And all of a sudden, those teams are hot now. Yeah. And the teams that played 162 games Good have point. to wait around for these. So, like, Chipper Jones, I, I totally, totally agree. It's a freaking gimmick. And it's ridiculous that a team like, uh, like let's just face it, like, normally it's the National League Central are going to have, like, the champions like the Reds and they're going to have 88 wins, they'll be in the playoffs, but then we'll have teams like the Braves and the mm-hmm. Phillies battling with 94, 95 wins. to play in a one-game wild-card playoff. It's so stupid the way it's set up right now. Chipper okay. Jones is 100% right, and just because he didn't come up yep. with the solution doesn't mean his one-game playoff yep. gimmick statement isn't Good wrong. Good point, by the way, about the uh, delay for the other teams. I did not think of that. Excellent point. David, you had some uh, info off the Internet. Yeah, I was uh, renamed U.S. Cellular Field in 2003. 2000? When did the park get built? 1991. It was opened up. Wow. So I was off by 12 years? Indeed you are. <laughs> Indeed you yeah, are. you got to think about the actual <laughs> company, coach. I swear, I swear, so, Viagra has been the sponsor of this baseball park since the 40s. Huh? That's I missed that. I didn't you got to think about what your what 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 the brand is like. Okay. A company like U.S. Sailor, I mean, did you remember phones back in 1991, Coach? That was great. Still in the era yep. of your girlfriend didn't know where you were mm-hmm. at you know 9:30 at night, and she couldn't just call you and be like, "Where are you?" Okay. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to know why I'm so faithful to Lily, the lie like his cell phone. Okay. okay. It's just I've just realized with cell phones, I have to be true to my girl from now on. Yeah. Yep. Well, they got tracking devices on the phone now, you know, so parents can keep track of where the kids are. And, of course, kids are getting smart. They know how to get in there. and and uh, Well, Lily Lala can actually implanted one of those in my neck. Yes. So I don't have to worry about that either. So. Yes, which is a little disturbing when I do the show with you and you beep every 10 minutes. But, you know, I, you get used to it after a while. Okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. <sighs> I had one other comment to make, but I have totally how about this? What lost my train. Oh, I, I was – huh? I have one. White Sox fans, get your ass to the ballpark. Yes. I would have loved to have gone to the game last night, but too bad I had to, I had to work, you know, until whenever. I would have loved to have gone to the game with you last night, yeah. Coach. Yep. Yeah, and it turned out, David, you know, I got these tickets like four months ago in a little packet with the free parking. But it turned out six tickets. Last year he gave me four. I just figured it was four. So we go to count. We had three extra tickets, Big Doe. It was unbelievable. By the way, the how, comp- about the how about the moon last night out in the distance? Outstanding. And the way the clouds were hitting it. it was if outs- you were at U.S. Sailor Field last night, you just had an outstanding yep. day to be outside in early fall Chicago. Yep. What a beautiful scenic night. Yep. And maybe the White Sox didn't win, but you missed a heck of a ball game. And you'll be happy to know the beautiful moon was not destroyed by any fireworks from the White Sox bats. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Unfortunately. 
Uh, the comment I was going to make to it, Barack Obama was up on the screen. Uh, Big Dog, as you remember, his famous comment talking about him being a White Sox fan and love going to Kaminsky Park. Like, oh, they put that on there. Yeah, well, I can't hear the verbal, but I, I just I remembered that comment. By the way, speaking of that, did you see Madonna? Middle-aged Madonna coming out and basically uh, trying to rile up the crowd, Big Dog, into uh, she got into a little, uh, you know, sports guys can talk politics, rock musicians can interrupt their set and do politics too. And she's talking about getting everybody, you have to vote for Obama, you have to vote for Obama. She even went so far, Big Dog, as to say that she will appear naked. She will perform naked if Barack Obama is uh, reelected again. Right, David? Something to that effect. That's reason enough to, to that's, vote yeah, for Yeah, so let's go vote for Romney. <laughs> I, I don't need to see the flies at all. No, uh, I, I hope that, that's one person. You know, all, all the celebrities always say vote Democrat besides, like, Ed Harris, I think, and, and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, but uh, honestly, don't take that woman's opinion anymore on anything. Uh, what, about three months ago, she was on stage with a, in front of a bunch of, like, 17 to 21-year-olds screaming, how's Molly doing? How's Molly doing? And acting all goofy on stage. Yep. And thousands of these kids are trying that stupid-ass drug and acting absolutely asinine. What's wrong with, you know what, what's wrong with eating mushrooms that grow out of the ground? I know you shouldn't be eating those either, Coach, but the idea of what this stuff does to your brain and what these kids, these, it's um, I just hope your kids have, are smart enough to stay away from that evil and vile drug, and I'm not, I know you brought up the whole Obama thing. I'm, I'm changing stuff. Madonna's got to get her head out of her butt because you cannot go on stage, no matter what drug you're on, and encourage your people out in the uh, in the concert to take yep. that drug unless it's. That's. Uh, I mean, that was that was pretty. That definitely. was the dumbest thing she's That's done as an entertainer. Absolutely, one step over the line, sweet Jesus, no question about it. On a related note, have you seen the YouTube video of the Green Day lead singer who went completely ballistic? No, I, I, I guarantee he's uh, definitely a, a pro-Obama guy, too. No, 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 this had nothing to do with politics. He went nuts because they were cutting the... the. See, you need to watch it on YouTube. I don't even know the guy's name. But, it, was, um, it was Billy Joe Armstrong, yeah, lead and like, singer of Green Day, and he was it, it was at the uh, iHeart Radio Festival last weekend. And they were playing a set, and they told him he had one minute to get off stage, so uh, Usher and Rihanna would have the full time for their sets. And he didn't appreciate being told to get off stage so that Rihanna could come on. Mid- he- mid-song, he just stops. And, yep. just, and the fans thought it was like, you know, a, a bit. And he just starts ripping and dropping F-bomb after F-bomb and then finishes it with like five smashes of the guitar to the stage, finally breaking the guitar, walks off stage. It was not a bit. It was real anger. The next day, Big Dog, the next day, he checks in for drug rehab. Uh, I'm just glad he did it because Rihanna and Usher both suck. I mean, the <laughs> fact that you would, the fact that you want Green Day off of the stage as co- uh, compared to those two yep. people, are you serious? Oh my goodness, <laughs> he had every right to get upset. Hey, you guys are talented and write really thought-provoking music. Oh, let's get the screamer Rihanna out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, oh, make it, make a note. We need, we need to do a non-sports show at the Big Duck. That's what I've been trying to tell you for years. Okay. We could do a music show, a little music entertainment. We could we could do a rock music show. I could be the host and just throw things out. And I think uh, Big Dog, you could. Uh, I, do... I, you know, I was in a Green Day video back in 1994. Yep. And uh, you guys need to check it out. I forget the name of the song, but I was actually in one of their videos. Is it YouTubeable? I don't know. It's 1994. That's no longer. Uh, 
I don't know if YouTube was around that at was that point. So you three, did that. Three years after U.S. Cellular uh, became a company. Thank you very much. All right, can we get to some football, what was my it, What was the name of the song? I'm trying to think of the name. It was uh, it was the one where they had they they filmed everybody at uh, at uh, at Woodstock in 1994, and they showed me on top of the hill, like screaming at the top of my lungs and sprinting and jumping headfirst down this massive oh, uh, mudslide hill. Was that the one where you had the uh, uh, wardrobe malfunction and your butt cheeks were showing? Oh, I was just in my underwear. I didn't. I wasn't butt naked. I did not want to get mud inside my urethra. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh goodness! Now can we you, talk you some football? You I'm, asked. I'm not kidding. That's why I left my underwear on. <laughs> uh, on behalf of all the uh, viewers on YouTube or wherever that film may be, thank you very much. There are a whole bunch of their performances. So it, it was it when I come around. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it was. It was. Was it well, when Welcome I, when to I Paradise? Come, I got whatever video they used for the 1994 Woodstock where they just went around and literally, like, they they followed me for, like, 10 seconds in this video. People are like, dude, that is you. I was like, I could just look. <laughs> so, I, I really don't know. There was, I'm not, I wasn't a big Green Day fan, and so I have to find out which the video was, the, the, the name of the song. But it had to be a 1994 song, and when I was, when I come around, it was definitely one of those songs. All right. Thank you very much. Moving to football. Football Friday here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show. We got to make our beat the schmoes football picks. We got NFL. We got college. We got high school. By the way, speaking of high school football, Big Dog, I do have to make a comment. It's kind of a yearly comment for me, but I bring it out because I finally got backed up by somebody, Eric Zorn of the Chicago Tribune, with a nice column today saying that we need most definitively to end the homecoming king and queen tradition. That all it does is, uh, you know, increase. The kids that are already popular will make everybody else a little bit more depressed. Maybe it worked in the 50s and 60s. That tradition needs to end. In addition, Doc, are you ready for this? Apparently what is becoming popular in schools now uh-huh. is for some some of the cool kids to make a joke of it and actually start voting for and elect some girl or some kid that might be like a nerd or some, you know, some kid that's unpopular, dresses Weird, that kind. Of, there's been instances he specifically lists in his article. So how ugly is that? That they're actually, you know, teasing kids by voting for them and putting them on the homecoming court. That that's too bad. Yes, that that that, that is that is too bad. In order to have like an organized, let's make this person feel as bad as possible yes. throughout the school. That that that's yeah. pretty sad. So the weekend. I, I'm proud. I'm proud to say that people at Downers Grove North. We didn't elect the hottest girl. We elected the coolest girl in our whole entire freaking school. Yeah, good. And uh, and he, my best friend was the homecoming king, and he was the coolest dude in school. And trust me, Joe mm-hmm. Hogan is not the best-looking guy in the freaking planet. Yeah, that's the so way it should I, be. I, when, I when, you, when, when you say cool, like a classy guy, someone who is yeah, not yeah. in one clique but, you know, connects with a bunch of other students, maybe does some service work and just a, a generally nice guy, that's the guys you want to see representing. But so often that is not the case in the homecoming queen and king and that whole pageantry it really upsets you know, me what's really cool is emily setnar won our homecoming queen love her and emily setnar was a cute girl but she was without question one the smartest girl the nicest girl all that other stuff right now as a, at the age of 40 emily setnar is freaking gorgeous coach because time has weathered her well yes. you know what i mean it's like she wasn't like oh i'm the hottest girl and vote for me i'm the homecoming queen yep and then she's the wicked witch of the west in 10 years no that that girl i mean that's that, I'm proud, and I know exactly what you're talking about because uh, 
that that happens recently to one of my friend's kids where mm-hmm. there was an issue like that where uh, at first they thought it was really cool because it was like a retarded kid. Excuse me, a, a special interest kid. I'm sorry I even said that. That's, that really sounds stupid. Yeah. That was in a school. And they were voting him. And then, like, at first, they're like, isn't that cool? You're giving this guy a special day. And one of the kids like, no, we're, we're sick of the homecoming queens. We yeah. figured we'd elect two special interest kids, basically. Yeah. They didn't say that. But that's, and yeah, that's well, what happened at this high school. When I okay, first read so. Eric Zorn's article, that's where I thought they were going. I thought, oh, how cool is this? Uh-huh, Some yeah, of the schools are going out of their way to pick, but no, it was more of a teasing thing. Now, I'm not putting that on all schools. I have a lot more confidence in high school kids than that. But if that's a trend, uh, you know, where you pick someone, as you said, Big so Dog, someone who doesn't feel good already and makes them feel worse, that that's... Oof. You're just dumb, and I'm just naive. Okay, so what are the, when this stuff like that happens, we would never vote for, like, we would never do that. So we don't... We don't attach it until someone explains it to us. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Yep. You know, so. All right. You know, how evil kids can be. Had to get that off my chest. 888-463-6748. Week four of the NFL season. Week five of the collegiate football season. And Big Tall, we talked those real quick in college football where there's not any tremendous national matchups, but. We do start conference play. That takes on a whole different level. Some of the rivalries increase, and it's kind of a, it sounds cliche to say, but a little bit of a second season for some college football teams starting this weekend. Uh, Absolutely. Apparently the excitement of college football got to the big dog (laughs) and the cell phone disconnected. We'll see if we can get them back. Big Ten. In the Big Ten locally, Penn State taking on Illinois, Indiana at Northwestern. Both those games. Both those games, by the way, starting at 11 o'clock. Dog, you back with us? Yes. If you've if you had a bad start to your season, you always have a chance to be like, hey, you know what, we can still win our conference. Yep. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with winning a conference and to make your season uh, a lot better. So Now, in the Big Ten, there's a lot of teams that you can say, you know what, they had a horrible uh, preseason. It's time for them to to get down to try to win the the Joe Paterno Trophy. Excuse me, the Mm -hmm. the Big Ten Championship Trophy. (laughs) Yes. Thank you very much for that clarification. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I think the Big Ten, again, down as far as great talent, but it's going to be very, very competitive. i got to throw a couple point spreads at you, uh, Big Doug, that I found quite curious in the Big of Ten to open up the season. Wisconsin at Nebraska. Now, I know the Badgers have struggled a little bit, but they're still Wisconsin. Proven commodity. It's at Nebraska, but Nebraska's an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. I was surprised it was that much. I was, too. And as soon as I thought, you know what, I'm picking Wisconsin, I thought about it for, for a minute. I'm like, you know what, that's a trap game. Yep. And Nebraska's probably the call on that. There's there's a reason why Nebraska's 11-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm-hmm. They've got a really good quarterback and Taylor Martinez, who's Finally having a breakout year throwing the ball. And they've got um, uh, Burkhart, that, that tailback, who's Burkhart, John Riggins yeah. in disguise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they give that guy the ball 35 times. He never fumbles, scores three touchdowns, and has 140 yards every single game. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. That guy's pretty good. Yeah. All right. 11 and a half point. The other one I found curious, and uh, by the way, you want to check in. Our phone lines are open. College football, NFL football fans, or, or if you have any thoughts on our uh, – our basic trashing of the homecoming tradition. Feel free to give us a call. 888-463-6748. If you're a homecoming queen out there, by the way, we'd love to hear from you. We promise we'll be friendly. 888-463-6748. The phone number, Minnesota at Iowa, Big Dog. 4-0. Oh. 
Minnesota Golden Gopher, Iowa, as we all know, struggling would be a kind word, and the Hawkeyes are a seven-point favorite. I found that curious. Um, it's at Iowa. Yeah. And if you – Iowa perennially is just better than Minnesota. And don't forget, they're not predicting what they think the average margin of victory will be in the game. They're trying to put the point spread where 50% of the people mm-hmm. bet on Iowa and 50% bet on Minnesota – so even though I thought the Nebraska game could be a trap game, this is more like if you like Minnesota, this is time to take your seven points when you finally go play your arch rival Iowa. Uh, well, maybe not arch rival, but second arch rival is Wisconsin first for Minnesota, then Iowa. I mean, I, I could have understood Iowa being the favorite, uh, even though their record is worse and they're not playing good. They're at home. You're right about the tradition, but you know, I would have thought point. The only thing I can think of, and I don't know if we have the injury report, Marquise Gray, the very talented Minnesota quarterback, he got injured last week. So if he's not playing, if he's out for sure, then the seven points makes a difference. If he doesn't, big dog, I don't, I, I think that's way too much, and I would take Iowa in that game. But maybe the QB is injured. All right, we got Ohio State uh, at Michigan State. That's a big game, and I did say, I think I told you yesterday, maybe not. My wife got ticked off me when I told her this, but I will be rooting. For Penn State to knock off our University of Fighting Illini, and you know why I would be rooting for Penn State. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm an Illinois fan. They need a win, and uh, Penn State's favorite in this game, which is I don't they know are? how. They're like a one and a half point favorite. That's another curious point. Penn State at Illinois. Have you seen Illinois play this year, Coach? Have you seen they Penn are- State play? It's- yeah, but at least Penn State is playing. They're losing because they have a bad offense. Illinois is losing because they have a bad defense. And I would rather have a bad offense than a bad defense if you're trying to win a game. Okay. All right. Penn State at Illinois. I'm surprised. I forgot to check out the spread. I thought I saw Illinois as a favor, but you're saying Penn State by a point and a half or two at Champaign. That is uh, surprising well, a little Vegas, bit. Vegas Insider has like eight different lines for every game. Okay. Most of them had Penn State as a one to two point all right, favorite. All right. Even though I don't think that's going to determine the Big Ten championship, I actually think it could be a pretty entertaining and well contested game. Two teams desperate for a victory. Definitely. And I don't know what it is, but Penn State always beats Illinois in the last play of the game. Every single time they beat Illinois in the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. And there have been years where Illinois was like one in ten and Penn State was nine and two. And Penn State barely beat Illinois, and that's another reason why I think they're a two-point favorite or one-point favorite. Need to get that tradition done. We'll see if we can get the fighting Illini back on the winning side. Nationally, dog, not a whole lot, but a couple of games I'll throw at you. Tennessee at Georgia, Texas, quietly. You rarely say that about Texas football, but they're quietly 3-0 and in the season. I think the best game of the day, see what you think. Baylor, number 25, undefeated. In fact, I think I read they've got a 9 Game winning streak dating back to last year in the bowl game. Baylor taking on West Virginia, two of the most explosive offenses in the country. Oh, Geno Smith of West Virginia is right now number one in the Heisman voting. No question. Uh, uh, that kid is just flat out unbelievable coach. And the Bears need that kid. Okay, if there's a player in college football like Sammy Watkins, I want the Bears to have. I want them to have Geno Smith. He can play uh Baylor is the only FBS school this year to beat Louisiana Monroe. Let's just get that out there. Mm-hmm. And Louisiana Monroe is two and one versus the FBS team, so that 
uh, Baylor can play a little offense. What's they're, the they're, over and under on that game? What do you think? Oh, the, it, it's got to be 75 points, Coach. At 75, least, yeah, at least. At least 75 points. Yep. If yep. it's anything less than 75, people go right now, get an account, and put about $1,000 down on it. <laughs> that score, that game is going to be 50 to 40, and I'm not kidding. Did you say get on a couch or get an account? Get an account. Ah. Or just fly out to Las Vegas before uh, right. Saturday. I like option number one better. Just get on a couch. And that way I don't lose any money. All right. Uh, so that's your uh, Slayton College football big dog over in the NFL. We know our beloved Bears are not playing until Monday night, but uh, some good NFL games out there. We'll make our beat the schmoes football picks. But uh, I could throw a couple of games out at you, or were there any NFL games that you wanted to wax poetic on? Uh, not really. I'll save the Bears for next Monday. Okay. It's the, one of the rare days that we can talk Bear football on a day that they're actually playing. Mm-hmm. All right, let me throw a few interesting matchups. We can't go through them all, but as long as we got uh football expert, the big dog on the line with us, let's throw a few games at you. How about the Giants at the Eagles? Both teams, two and one game is at Philadelphia. Uh, obviously, our rivals going at it early in the season. Yeah, and, and Eli Manning is just playing at an unbelievable level. And the thing I love about the Giants is they have this guy, Ahmad Bradshaw. Everybody's waiting for him to have a breakout year. He gets hurt, and his backup, Andre Brown, who has negative one yards in his NFL career, comes out and plays the game of his life last week. Uh, Andre Brown may have stolen the the running back position from Ahmad Bradshaw, and I, I think that's a, a pretty good story. But the, the, the Eagles and... The Giants are battling for the division winner because there's going to be so many losses by teams in the East. I don't think a wild card can come out of that division. So mm-hmm. it's an important game for both the Eagles and the Giants. Good point. Good point. You got Dallas, you got the Redskins. Who am I forgetting? Because the Cowboys are pretty good this so year. There's only four teams in those divisions. Okay. And the Redskins, uh, much, much improved. And uh, the, they got a big game mm-hmm. coming up this weekend, too. How about the Saints at the Packers? We mentioned it uh, yesterday. The Packers coming off that. Monday night, we'll call it a debacle. Um, how do they react? The, the, my initial thought is, you know, they're, they're going to come out ready to crush somebody. But I've seen situations like that where a team surprisingly comes out flat, big dog, and they're playing a Saints team desperate for victory. Yeah, that's, that's very hard to, you know, it, it's funny because I've heard like you, you hear this, oh, there's so much controversy going on inside the team and, how are they going to handle it? They'll probably get blown out. Then you find out they all come together as a team and they support one guy and then blah, 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 the team wins. Well, what happens when the whole team gets jellied? Like what happened uh, with the Packers on, on Monday night? So, mm-hmm. and, and you said that the exact thing. Talk about a team that got jellied. Uh, all these guys that got, uh, couldn't, they missed training camp and then they find out later they can play. So all these guys that missed training camp and now the Saints have them, you know, playing on the field. That's ridiculous. Uh, and they're missing their head coach. So they also feel like they've been screwed, and they're they're up against the wall. So it's the us against the world bowl, Green Bay versus New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lose this one, start 0-4. You can kiss the playoffs goodbye, I think. But, yeah, it's uh, done. Because, yeah, they're not yeah. getting a wild card unless they basically go 11-1 and the rest of the way. Yep. And they're not going to win their division because I, I do not. Well, I guess they could still win the division, Coach, because Tampa Bay, Carolina, well, no, excuse me, Atlanta's in that division. They're done if they lose this game. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is not going to be passed by New Orleans if, if New Orleans goes 0-4. Mm-hmm. 
Green Bay Packers, uh, by the way, uh, getting kudos for the most part. Now, I know there were some nasty tweets, but uh, more compliments than not, Big Dog, on the way they handled the uh, rather massive adversity, if we can call it that. Mike McCarthy, their head coach, very gentlemanly afterward. I don't know if we talked about this much, but for the most part, the Packers, pretty classy in the face of adversity uh, on that final play. Yeah, after, I, I, after I don't pay any attention to all the hype throughout the week. So I, I, I couldn't say yes or no to that question, but I will I will say this, that any bad tweet that was put out by a Packer hours after it happened while they were on a plane mm-hmm. – so if you're a mass, a big dude that's sore as hell from just playing an NFL game, sitting on a plane, you're already in a bad mood, whether you won or lost, and then you realize a victory was just taken for you in a six from you in a sixteen game season. Yep. Any any negative tweet, I do not blame them. Uh, anywhere within three yeah. to five hours after the and event. Interestingly, uh, and somewhat surprisingly, at least of now as of now, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodye uh, agrees with you. Because there has been no fines for uh, some of those tweets, which not only had profanity, but were directly insulting of Roger Goodye, the NFL commissioner, but he has decided not to fine any of them. You know what? Roger Goodell realized that uh, Goodye. A, big, a big mistake was made, and there was yes. no reason to bring more light to it by yep. fining somebody that said something nasty about him. So I, I, I think you're more likely to get away with saying something bad about Goodell and not getting fined as opposed to saying something bad about, like, an opponent or mm-hmm. a coach or something like that. That would Goodell, at this point, doesn't want to bring attention to the fact that he's the judge dread when it comes to the NFL. Mm-hmm. All right, one more game uh, I want to throw at you, Big Dog. Then we got to make our Beat the Schmoes football picks. Again, anybody out there you want to call in, pick any three games against the point spread, see if you can beat the Schmoes. Uh, cash prize at the end of the season for any of our listeners that, that do beat the Schmoes, or at least you're in the drawing for it. 888-463-6748. Real quick, Big Dog, it's the NFC North Division, close to the hearts of our Chicago Bear fans. Listening, the Vikings at the Lions. Leslie Frazier, the ex-Bear, has got the Vikings thus far overachieving, and the Detroit Lions coming off... uh a schmackling, if we can call it that. They're down right now. Can they pick themselves up? Game is at Detroit. Uh, I know it's only three games in, but you're right about bringing up how good Leslie Frazier has yeah. been for the Vikings. There's a coach of the year for three games in. It's the Vikings because they have outperformed everybody's expectations, both in terms of winning and just playing on the field quality of play. I, I expected the Vikings to be really bad this year, Coach. So I, I'm, I'm surprised that they're 2-1, and one, mm-hmm. let alone competitive at this point. Yeah, and I am happy for Leslie Frazier, ex-Bear, part of the 85 Super Bowl team. His season, basically his career, ended in the Super Bowl on a vicious hit, torn ACL. Few people remember it because we celebrate the Super Bowl. But he's a classy guy, big dog, and he's paid his coaching dues. Um, outside of when he plays the Bears, I, I hope Leslie Frazier, and he's on the bubble this year. Don't kid yourself. Has some good success with the Minnesota Vikings. Classy guy. Yeah, extremely. Well, at least he doesn't have to worry about any Brett Favre retirements in this particular year's uh, mm-hmm. season. Yeah, we think he doesn't have. To. Yeah, Christian Ponder is not going to announce his retirement in the middle of the season. Yeah, you know what? There was a time where I thought he should have. And <laughs> the, talk about when I talk about like uh, coach of the year after three games, and then yeah. it was kind of funny. The surprise player in the NFL for me for three games was Christian Ponder because I thought he was 
way over his head, and he's looked like a really good quarterback the first three games of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots more to come, though. Don't you know? Yeah. We, yes, exactly. We will look back on it after 16 games, and a lot of things we thought we knew after the first three games, both positive and negative, will be proven to be uh, most Wrong. assuredly incorrect. All right, dog, uh, beat the schmoes. You want to go first, second, or third? You get the pleasure of uh, making the pick, my friend. Let me just let me just get this over with. I'm horrible. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Miami of Ohio uh, is getting three and a half points at Akron. I'll take the three and a half. Plus three at Akron. You're betting against uh, not Jerry Faust, but you're betting against who's my guy from the uh, Frank Solich? No, he's at Ohio, coach. Eh, whatever. Next game. Uh, Houston Cougars are only a field goal favorite over Rice at Rice. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, Houston is. Uh, I'll definitely lay those three points. Never, never bet against Rice on the final Saturday in September. Okay, and Central Florida is <laughs> only getting five and a what? half points when they go to Missouri. Come on. Are you kidding me? Missouri is horrible, and Central Florida is one of those unknown teams this year that everybody's going to look back and say they're a good team. So uh, I'm uh, I'm taking Central Florida plus the five That's and a half. Insult. Insult to the large listening audience of Tiger Nation that tunes into our show, Big Dog. I'm sorry. Yeah, you better, uh, you know, lay low when you're in public this weekend because there are a lot of Missouri fans in the Chicago, a lot of Missouri alumni in the Chicago area. You have just upset. Of course they are. Everybody wants to leave Columbia. <laughs> By the way, if uh, somebody emailed in, if there a, is there a, a Central Florida bar where the Central Florida alumni can go and watch the game tomorrow? Uh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. <laughs> what is it, North Avenue Beach or what? No, no, it's it's in Central Florida. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Yeah. All right, David Olson, you want to? Uh, okay, he's pointing to me. Here we go. I'm going to go all NFL, big dog, much to my chagrin. And um, I'll say it right now: another losing week. And and you know, my staff is on the bubble. My beat the schmoes prognosticators, my uh, administrative staff, the interns and stuff. It's been a rough year, big dog, and I've hung with them a little bit too long. One more bad week, I'm telling them right up front. And they will be gone. By the way, speaking of that, did you see the Cleveland Indians fired Manny Acta? I didn't even know they hired Manny Acta. Or uh, is it Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. Manny Acta. Fired with four games left in the day. All season long, they underachieve, and then with four games left, they decide to fire him. Yes, it's a good time. Fire him yeah, before the season. It was kind of Anyhow, I'm going to fire my whole crew. If, but I think I'm going to get a bounce back quick. All right, here we go. NFL Panthers at the Falcons. Falcons red hot. At home, favored only by seven, my initial instinct, dog. I'm learning. I picked this up from you. I'm getting smart. I'm beat this. Falcons at home? Only seven? They're on a roll. They're playing great football. I was about ready to circle the Falcons. I said, you know what? Trap game. Trapper. I'm taking Carolina. Ron Rivera and company plus the seven in an upset. Like it. Thank you. Dolphins at the Cardinals. I'm going to go the other way, this one here. Uh, At Arizona. And the Dolphins, I know they've been a little bit surprising at a competitive one and two, but Arizona's played great football, uh, and they're only giving up six points at home. That's not bad. I bet you David Olson had this game, right? He'll probably go against me. I'm taking Arizona. Give up the six, and Miami's uh, Reggie Bush is a little banged up on top of it, dog. So I got the Cardinals over the Dolphins. And finally, Raiders at Broncos. I went all, uh, all contraire on this one, too. Broncos by six and a half. Raiders pulled off the upset last week. Peyton Manning's got to pick them apart. It's at Denver, but you know what? 
I'm going to keep on the uh, Oakland train, keep their momentum going for one more week in an upset. I'll take the uh, Oakland Raiders plus six and a half at Denver. Thank you very, very much. Very good, Coach. Thank You'd you. be proud of your pick. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it pains me to do this, but i got to agree with the coach on the Carolina over Atlanta. I mean, I, th- I think Atlanta's going to win the game, but Carolina's going to keep it really, really close. So I'll take Carolina in that okay. one. Uh, number two, uh, Minnesota is a four and a half point dog at Detroit. I like Minnesota. In that. Ooh, so you are, you're, you're going with the further collapse of the Detroit. They yeah, lose this one. Yeah. I, 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 I really Ooh. like Minnesota. In what that happens one. in Detroit, big dog? If they lay an egg and the Vikings beat them at Detroit, what's the atmosphere going to be like with the Lion fans? And Dominic and Sue's going to end up kicking one of the Minnesota cheerleaders. <laughs> Jim Could. Schwartz will uh, will spit on his hand before he shakes Leslie Frazier's hand and then complain about Leslie Frazier later. It, every, the, nothing but excuses. That's what Detroit has always been known for is excuses. Yeah. I've lost many beat the schmoes football picks picking on the Detroit Lions. All right, David Olson. By the way, producer David, listeners out there with the number two lead pencil trying to copy our picks, nine and three against the spread on the season. So please pay attention. And then game number three, uh, Philadelphia is favored by one and a half at home over the Giants. Philadelphia is going to win that one going away. They own the Giants at home. All right. It's Michael Vick. Has to come through against the the, uh, quality professional that is Eli Manning. I know, Big Dog, you tend to not be a Vick fan, so quarterback advantage the Giants in that one, Doug? I say it's a quarterback advantage, Giants. But uh, quarterbacks on their back, you have a lot harder time playing. So I usually go for the defensive line and quarterback. So I like mm-hmm. to look at those three All things, right. the coach, the quarterback, and the defensive line of each team. There you go. David Olson picking Carolina over Atlanta, Minnesota over Detroit, Philadelphia over the Giants. A couple of road teams to uh, pull off victories. Very good. Big dog in the final couple minutes we have left. Any exciting weekend activities that your female friends, uh, female fans out there, actually friends, I like that combination of friends and fans. Your female friends out there might want to know about. You know, Coach, I had a real rough time in my life, real rough time, and it was years. And all I said to myself was, you know, if I had like two thousand dollars, I would be able to create something phenomenal. And well, I have enough money saved up. I'm buying myself a camera and. The This Year Man project will start, and it's no longer going to be needing Joel Redwanski to find producers and cameramen and all this other stuff. I'm going to do it all myself, and it's going to be absolutely spectacular. What is so, the basic thing? What's the ultimate goal of the This Year Man? Is it an official Cub mascot, or are you going to No, no, be- well, please, everybody stop. Why does everybody want me to be the official Cubs mascot? Okay, I'm just I've asking. I've never asked to be that. I've never wanted to be that. I mean, I want to go to a cup game and get cup fans riled up. But, no, this year, man, is going to be news. It's going to be Chicago news, unlike you've ever seen it, health health and fitness tips. You name it. There's going to be all different types of stuff, Coach. So one day I'm going to be in a bad neighborhood interviewing people. And the next day I'll be in, a, uh, in my room and at home telling people how to get skinny. And, by the way, there's uh, something on the west side of the city in Lawndale. There's a couple blocks. And these are, they're called, uh, uh, block squads. And these African American communities have decided that they're no longer going to have gangs take over I, their I did streets. read that, yes. It's freaking, but more people need to do this instead yes. of, 
for, instead of uh, blaming everybody else that there's too many murders in your neighborhood, yep. why don't you step up and actually do something for you? Instead of asking the government, please save us, they're like, you know what? We're sick of murders in our streets. We're going to yep. walk the neighborhoods. We're going to defend our neighbors. If we see something bad, we're going to yep. confront these people. We're going to call the police. And you know what? In this, like, four-block neighborhood, there's been one murder there in the last ten yeah. years. And you can say, well, that's a lot. Well, that's a lot for most neighborhoods. But in that neighborhood, there used to be a murder a week. Yeah, and the skeptics, you know what they're calling those neighborhoods? Some of the skeptics in in and around that community, they're calling it the suburbs. So, But I, I'm with you. That's a great trend, unfortunately. we got to talk about it on Monday, Big Doug. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Because one no. of my points of, of the yep. this year, man, thing is to get out to communities where there's a lot of violence and ask them what are they going to do themselves. In order Love to the stop. concept. If you're looking for investors, I think we could find some people to back up your project. I'm already going to Chichen Itza the day that Kuku Khan comes back when everybody thinks that hey. the Mayan calendar says we're dead. Keep it clean. This is a, keep it clean. This is a family show. All right, dog. Have a great weekend. Monday, 10 o'clock, review the NFL and preview the Bears. Have a great weekend, everybody.